0: I would like to introduce. Howdy, folks! My name is Matthew Dvoracek, and welcome to the Chivo Effect, part of the Uplift United Podcast Network. Every week, I'll bring you the biggest stories in sports and break them down. And we're just going to get right into it today. <sighs> welcome back, folks! We got a lot for you today. We're going to talk about this massive blockbuster trade between the Rams and the Lions for Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff swap. Uh, I got some Super Bowl coming up again for you, and we're going to do a little goat talk in baseball later, but let's start what we did at the very top. Blockbuster trade this weekend, the Lions send Matt Stafford to the Los Angeles Rams in exchange for the Rams' first-round draft picks in 2022 and 2023, a third-round pick in 2021, and quarterback Jared Joff. Stafford moves on from a Lions team he struggled to reach the postseason with to a team, Rams team led by coach Sean McVay. Now, of course, the Rams have had a much better go of their time lately than the Lions have Uh, uh, made it to the divisional round of the playoffs, once to the Super Bowl in at least two of the last three seasons. Of course, they lost to Brady that year. That's okay. It was a pretty big big trade here. I mean, the Rams get back um, an immediate upgrade in quarterback in Matthew Stafford over Jerry Goff. They have moved up. In from like plus 1500 or plus 18 to plus 1500 in the Caesar Sportsbook for the Super Bowl odds, it's a pretty big deal. But of course, they send back some pretty good capital for it. Uh, two first-round picks again, one in 22, 2022, one in 2023. Uh, one is the price you paid for Matthew Stafford along with that third-round pick in 2021, the other is definitely the salary jump on Jared Jadoff's contract, signed that four-year, 110 million dollar extension. Last offseason, that hasn't even kicked in yet, and that's just about to. So much easier to trade him and move some capital like this than it is to take that dead money hit on top of you get a quarterback back that can help you almost immediately contend in the NFC. Uh, It's easily, other than Megatron, Calvin Johnson, and Detroit, it's easily the best team Matthew Stafford's had, and especially top-to-bottom built team. He's got easily the best defense he's ever had behind all pros, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. He has the best coach he's ever had who will be able to utilize him in Sean McVay. He is going to still have weapons on that offense behind probably one of the top five offensive lines in the NFL. So it's definitely an upgrade of a whole experience for him. Plus you trade Detroit for LA. You can't really go wrong with that. Can you folks? So interesting to see what'll happen there. Now, Matthew Stafford, of course, let me just give you some of the numbers on him for career. He, came into the league as the number one overall pick in the 2009 draft out of Georgia and became Detroit's starter immediately. Now keep in mind they had this number one pick after becoming the first team in NFL history to go 0-16 for a season. They did it before Cleveland did it cool, or made it cool. So he's now 32. He will leave Detroit as the team's all-time leader in about literally every career passing category. Uh, He is number 16 all-time in the NFL in passing yards with just over 45,000. Uh, And passing touchdowns with 282. Number 18 in attempts with six, uh, you know, six and a quarter. Uh, Number 14 in completions with almost 4,000. Career passer rating of 89.9 is number 21 all time. Uh, Number 66 and 144 interceptions. Uh, With Joe Flacco, no less. Interesting. So... He's number four all time in passing yards per game at 273, behind Mahomes and Drew Brees. Uh, sorry, Mahomes, Drew Brees, and Andrew Luck. Second all time behind Luck in attempts per game, and fourth in completions per game behind Brees, Mahomes, and Matt Ryan. So he's had a hell of a statistical career. He's definitely put some on. He put some stats on in the time he's been in Detroit, you know. And like I said, he's had Megatron. He's never, like he's never had any individual weapons up there. He will never play with a receiver as good as he had there. You know, Calvin Johnson, top five receiver all time, easy. Um, never find anybody, at least on this Rams team or anywhere else in the NFL today, probably as good as him, sans Julio Jones, possibly. But he put all these stats up in all this time, and he's had a good career in Detroit. <sighs> Gritty guy, real tough player, played through a lot of shit. We all remember that famous game. So that famous game against Cleveland where he separated his shoulder and came in to throw the game-winning touchdown. They got a free play out of the end because they got clips for roughing the passer. And he comes in with a separated shoulder, not as throwing one his off shoulder, and game-winning touchdown, boom, right in the end zone. I mean, the dude's got fucking grit. And that was his rookie year, no less. You know, separated shoulder, uh, including a slew of other things, hampered his first two seasons in the NFL. But after the 2011 season, until about 2019, he played all but eight games, and that was at that 2019 season. Of course, he had those fractured bones in his back. Ended a streak of 136 straight starts. That is lit. That is some pretty elite Ironman company right there. At the time, the sixth longest consecutive start streak for a quarterback in NFL history. Obviously behind, oh, I think it was Breeze and, like, Rivers and even Eli Manning at that point. But still, fantastic stuff. Reliable, dependable guy for about almost a decade there. Sadly, they went 0-3 in the postseason. And that was one of the biggest things he'll probably always be remembered for in Detroit they had more down seasons than they had up. They were below 500 consistently. I don't know, like one season above 10 wins during that entire time he was there. Really not a great situation. And, you know, it's a great upgrade for the Rams for sure. I mean, can you talk about, like I said, you move on from Jared Goff and that bloated contract to a pretty team-friendly deal on Matthew Stafford about two years, roughly 40, 45 million or so left in there. But an instantly better quarterback. And imagine what Sean McVay can do. Imagine if they had the Super Bowl year they did with Matthew Stafford, a quarterback in that game. Who knows? We'll see how it plays out. Um, Vegas seems to think they're pretty good. They definitely got a bump in the Super Bowl odds, like I said. And it should be a pretty good pairing. You know, I heard Shannon Sharp earlier talking about he might be in the MVP discussion Matthew Stafford might playing with Sean McVay in this team, and it's certainly possible. I mean, you never know. I don't think I'd go that far. I definitely think both of these guys will benefit. I think they will give everybody a nice little fight, more than they did this year, you know, a run for their money in the playoffs. Imagine coming against Aaron Rodgers next year or Tom Brady, you know, anybody that might come out of the NFC. That defense, again, anchored by all pros, Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald, who's probably going to win his third Defensive Player of the Year trophy this year. That'll put him in the company of only J.J. Watt and Lawrence Taylor. Not bad company to be in for a defender. That is your defense. You have, again, the top five offensive line. You have Sean McVay calling plays for you. And it really couldn't be better for you if you're Matt Stafford. I mean, you're getting a pretty freaking good deal. So as far as this goes for the Rams, again, definitely a pro with, like I said, pro with your upgrade there, upgrade over Jared Goff. You had to pay the price for it. You sent out another set of first-round picks. You sent out two for Jalen Ramsey. You sent out a couple to get the pick for Jared Goff those years ago. You sent it out two more. So sending out their 2022 and 2023 – They will not have a first round pick until 2024. That will mark seven straight years for the Rams without a first round pick. It's definitely an interesting little tidbit in team building going that long without it. But if you're left with the ring at the end and you're left with that Lombardi trophy, we'll see if it's worth it. Hopefully they can get that far. I would be interested to see it happen. And I'd be I'd be happy for Matt Stafford to get a ring as well. He'd be like he deserved a guy. I like Sean McVay. I don't really hate any of these guys. I like him. So, and they had to pay that first-round pick for that salary dump as well for Jared Goff. It was basically, it was like a, hey, take this guy because I don't want him, but I I really have to pay you to take him. We shall see how that turns out for them. Now, Detroit, they're obviously on the rebuild. They'll have, you know, their first-round pick and the Rams' first-round picks in 2022 and 2023 uh for over those years they'll also have a third round pick from the Rams this year in the 2021 draft so they're definitely in full rebuild um they'll also have Jared Goff he'll be on a pretty decent sized contract that's for sure eating into that cap but with these first round picks you only get cross-controlled guys that you'll hit on and that will actually help you rebuild faster than expected that's what the draft is hopeful right you hope to hit on guys that are just even if you didn't think they would be they just turn into these gangbusters guys And they're just kicking ass and taking names left and right. And on rookie contracts, you do that for cheap. So we'll see how that goes. Jared Goff, when asked about the trade, he broke a silence. And he said, it'll be nice to be somewhere where I am appreciated and wanted. He's never been more, for the most part, statistically, than an average to middling guy. He's just never, he's not a great quarterback. He's just not that fantastic. And I think they paid him off the hype coming off that Super Bowl year. I think they saw that the things he was doing in that system that year with Sean McVay were working. And they thought, hey, we rode this to a Super Bowl along with some great defense. Maybe we can do it again. And obviously, I think they realized pretty quickly that that wasn't going to happen. Now, these picks, what you got to do and you hope is you hit through the draft. You know, you hope you find these guys that can just go fucking nuts for you from day one and start with those extra picks. Especially assuming everything goes the way the Rams plan, at least. Those picks will be later in the back half of the draft, hopefully in the last four at least. So we'll see how that works out. But you always got to hope that you hit on those especially young guys because they're on those rookie contracts and they're cost-controlled and team-friendly. You'll have Jared Goff in his contract, his four four years, $110 million extension that he just signed the previous offseason. will start kicking in soon, and that'll be into your cap a little bit. So you got to watch out for it there, and you got to hit on those draft picks. But – they're definitely in rebuild mode, and it's a good start. I mean, they sold off Darius Slay. They sold off, oh, was it Golden Tate to the Eagles? Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. And to be honest with Matthew Stafford, they were going nowhere fast. They you know, they tried this thing for a decade. They both knew it wasn't going to be much. It hadn't amounted to much yet. Like we talked about, 0-3 playoff record in that time. So they had nothing to lose. They were going nowhere fast, and they had nothing to lose. Not to say Detroit loves ruining players, which they do. It's been a thing. They ruined Barry Sanders, and they ruined Calvin Johnson. Matthew Stafford was just like, "Oh God!" Before I hate football too, let me leave. So, oh well. But that was the first kickoff, with the pretty big off-season transaction. I'm hoping for many more because I love, I love when off seasons are nuts. That's my favorite thing. One of my favorite things, side note, especially love about the NBA offseason recently, is they have been getting more fucking nuts every single year with guys trading teams and going to signing places, and it just shaking the league up. It's good for the league. I think it's good for, you know, guys to mix it up, and especially, it's good for parody when people change, because it just keeps things fresh, in my opinion, and I like that. Sometimes it's cool, you know, like if the Mavericks would just go on a 20-year run with Luka and win championships and ball hard, I would not be opposed to that looking rough right now but that's a different story for another day and I love that I love when the offseason the NFL does it too the NFL never has that much it's very rare you get that seismic cataclysmic type of shake shake up and like moves but they do occasionally happen this is a pretty good one and I'm hoping for more to come now I'm also wondering how this is going to affect the whole Deshaun Watson situation in Houston Deshaun Watson of course Franchise quarterback, only 25 years old for the Houston Texans, posted elite numbers this year, was one of the top five rated quarterbacks in just about every metric and statistic. Unfortunately, he's playing for a 4-12 team who has been mismanaged and run into the ground damn near. Uh, Bill O'Brien, of course, as general manager and head coach, traded away two first round picks for offensive tackle Laramie Tunsell, who they had to overpay. He traded away top five receiver DeAndre Hopkins, who had been a consistent all-pro to this point. Four pennies on the dollar in a second-round pick and a fourth-round pick. As well as David fucking Johnson with his bloated contract ass from Arizona. So after he did all that and ran into the ground, he got fired. Goodbye. Um, The team sucked this year, no surprise. You know what we you going to expect there. Visible frustration from a lot around between J.J. Watt literally saying, we wasted a year of your career and telling the media – that we play like shit and the fans should be embarrassed, but they still love us and I feel bad for them, to Deshaun Watson. You know, allegedly he gave his opinion in the GM and coaching search in the offseason to the owner, Cal McNair, who told him, yeah, we'll go on it. They even paid a search firm, you know, hundreds of thousands upon millions of dollars to suggest to them who to take. And they told them Louis Riddick from ESPN and Samir Khan, and they went with neither, and got Nick Casario from the Patriots, from that Belichick, a Belichickian Patriot kind of thing, you know, from that whole wave. Uh, Deshaun Watson was not happy, as well as the fact that the coaching candidates he had given them, he you know he put gave their input on the coaching candidates who he wanted them to interview. They hadn't even called Eric Bieniemy, who he wanted was one of the people he wanted, and. By the time they did, it was already too deep in the playoff run, and they couldn't even get to talk to him until the end of the season. So unfortunately, Deshaun Watson said, I don't like this. This is some funny business. You guys are kind of being assholes. You asked for my opinion in this, and you know, I want to be valued and listened to somewhere. And you took my advice and didn't do with anything at all. So I want out. And he hasn't made a huge fuss about it. He hasn't been You know, flamboyant or egregious with it. But he's just said, respectfully, I'll wait out if I have to. But figure it out. I'm not coming back here. I would like to not be out. I would like to be out of Houston. So, it got me thinking. This whole thing with the, you know, if Matthew Stafford is worth essentially a first-round pick, but two first-round picks given the situation it was in. What would it take for Houston to really get – like, what package would someone have to give up to get them – to get Deshaun Watson from the Houston Texans? Now, I'll tell you two different things. I'll tell you what I would do and then what probably most likely going to actually happen. I'm taking three first-round picks minimum. I'm not picking up the phone unless you start that text message or conversation or voicemail with I am giving you three first-round picks. I'm hanging the fucking phone up right there. If you talk with two or anything else. Now that's probably not realistic. I mean, you may, you can give up three first round picks and you're probably not going to give up a player or an additional pick after that, or it's like, I'll give you three first round picks and then a late pick or one, whatever player wide receiver two, something of the equivalent like that. What's probably actually going to happen is more than likely at least two first round picks, probably two seconds or second and a third, depending on how high up it is. Plus some plus a player, You know, eat some of this contract up, whatever it is. And if I'm the Houston Texans, you know, you have a couple different options. You know, I've heard that, you know, the Jets might be Deshaun Watson's preferred trade destination. Of course, part of his four year hundred and sixty million dollar contract that he signed this past offseason has no trade clause in it. So he really gets to decide where he goes. He has final say in it. The reports are his preferred to trade destination is with the Jets, which I don't know why you would pick there. You'd leave one sinking shithole to go to another, but that's a different story. So they definitely have some draft capital from trading uh, Jamal Adams to the Seahawks, so they have capital to flip there. And if you're them and that's true, you go all in with it. Trade your first round pick this year, trade one of theirs next year. Do whatever you fucking have to do to get that shit done, to get a top-five quarterback, an elite quarterback – You know, easily one of the next decade-long quarterbacks here to stay along with all these other guys, one of the young guys on the takeover of this league right now. So he says he wants to play for you, and the report's true. You do whatever you have to do. It could be the Jets, I've heard, you know, maybe the 49ers. Imagine Deshaun Watson with Kyle Shanahan, with Brandon Ayuk, with George Kittle, with Devo Samuel, with that trio of running backs they have back there with the offense that Shanahan schemes – Dear God, Jimmy G looked good in there. Son, we're up. not even fair. But what I'm absolutely not doing just on principle and pride alone at this point is fielding shit from Miami. A lot of the speculation is Miami might be the favorite because, you know, they have that number three pick that wink-wink belonged to Houston that they traded away in Laramie Tunsil deal. They have two that they could flip in exchange as well. Say, hey, I'll give you this quarterback, you give me that one, and here's some picks along the way. But on principle and pride alone, I'm not fielding shit for Miami. I'm not going to let you give me back my own pick that was supposed to be mine anyways that I traded away foolishly, that the guy previously traded away. I'm not going to let you just fucking give me back my own pick as well as take my franchise quarterback. That it, The amount of crow you have to eat – Oh my God! I would not do it. Never at all. Mm-mm. That or you make him overpay and first round picks along with it. Listen, I want two firsts, two seconds, plus Tua, and I'll give you the guy. That's it. Give me that. Thank you. But we'll see how that goes. Uh, I believe that JJ Watt is out the way too, out of the out the door in Houston. Um, it was pretty clear that he was not happy there this year. And he was not happy with the effort that everyone was given, probably from top to bottom in the organization. And he definitely seemed like he was ready to go. I've talked about it before. Trade J.J. Watt to the Pittsburgh Steelers and let him team up with his brother, T.J. Watt. Both ends, that would be nasty. So, we'll see. It's just a bad time to be a sports fan in Houston, man. It's it's just got to be a rough time right now. Although the Rockets are doing another 500 right now, nine and nine in the NBA. It's, you know, the James Harden thing and Deshaun Watson thing. I guess it could be worse. We could all be Detroit fans, right? Let's do a little Super Bowl preview. A lot of the talk I've been hearing, you know, maybe you saw it as well. Tony Romo came out this week and was just vehement, adamant, that if Patrick Mahomes does not beat Brady right now, this week, in this game, that he will never have a chance to be called the GOAT. I disagree. You know, I, I don't think there's all this pressure on Patrick Mahomes. I think it's ludicrous to say so. I think if you look at it, the man, arguably, if you take any three-year career of anyone, any three-year stretch of anyone's career, he probably arguably has the greatest one of all time. He's in you know, in that three-year span. He's won MVP, done for 10,000 passing yards, done for 100 touchdowns. He's won a Super Bowl, been a Super Bowl MVP. I mean, it can't get much better than that, can it? I don't – and besides that. He's just signed the 10-year, half-a-billion-dollar contract, valued at half-a-billion dollars, folks. I joked about that. I, I first said that in reference to Luca. I said, go ahead and give him the lifetime half-a-billion contract right now. I don't give a fuck what happens. Keep it Just it, commit that type of money right now, and we'll eat it later. Just keep him here. I never thought that it would actually come to fruition. I was joking, but they really went and they were like, huh. That's, that's a good idea, guy. Yeah, we'll do that. I mean, obviously, he's earned it. You, you, I, that's a pretty safe gamble and a bet to take at that point on that guy, I think. So he's got his whole career ahead of him practically. The dude's 24 years old. He hasn't even hit his prime yet. This isn't even his final form. And we're talking about already, Tony. Much as I love you, guy, respect for the, all the time you put him with the Dallas Cowboys, I'm not going to sit here and let you tell me that if he doesn't win – this Super Bowl right now, if he hasn't beat Brady in his fourth season after he's already won one, that he can never be the GOAT. I think one, it's too soon. You, you don't know that right now. Of course, he's not the GOAT right now. You know, many people consider Brady, myself included, to be the GOAT right now. Six rings, the guy is going to chase the seventh right now. He's 43 years old and still in the Super Bowl. He's done things past age 40 in the NFL that no one could even possibly fathom have before he did it. But Patrick Mahomes is on projection, incredibly projection, but he's on projection to just be the dude. I look around the league and I see a team, your leads are never safe. Like Liam Neeson and Taken, he will find you and he will kill you. That being your lead, you being the lead that is. 24 to nothing against Houston. I'm up 28 to 24 at halftime. I'm down 10 in the third quarter. The Super Bowl. I'm still going to find a way to win. The dude just does it. And among any of the other crazy things he does every week to week with comebacks and just the shit he crazy shit he does, the sidearms and the no looks and the fucking rollouts and all of it's just fantastic. It's good football. It's fun football. And he's doing it his way, and no one can stop him. That offense is almost unstoppable, in my opinion. I have yet to see a way that anybody definitively forever for a whole game can stop them. It's almost impossible. So is that, do I think Patrick Mahomes is under that much pressure? Almost certainly not. I disagree that he is. I think even if he doesn't beat him, Brady gets his seventh, Patrick Mahomes doesn't beat him right now. Which, if he doesn't beat him right now, it's okay. He'll have his whole career another decade-plus ahead of him. I see him having a Warriors-like run somewhere through this, if, already, if if he is already about to go on it. So, I see four, five, six rings in Mahomes' career. I, I, I truly do. That's my projection. But I think it's foolish to say that right now, to discount him so early in his career. And I guess... It, In my mind, what Tony would think is okay, that's maybe the only time you have to definitively prove this guy to beat this guy who you're going to be fighting up against for the rest of your career with comparisons and whatnot to get to that point. If you don't beat this guy now, even if you get six, even if you match his ring totals later in his career by the time you're done, they'll always look at that head to head and say, hey, you know, you have the same amount of rings as him, but. When it literally came to who would win, he beat shit. And that's maybe what they'll say. And who knows? Again, it's all subjective. I think it's unfair to put that on him so early. It's unfair. It's frankly disrespectful to what he's already done in his career so early and so quickly. I mean, the man is breaking records left and right with a nuclear bomb of an offense. He's got an entire receiving core that runs like they've got rockets strapped to their backs. He's got Travis Kelsey, who had probably single-handedly the greatest tight end season of all time and probably should have won offensive player of the year. I just don't see how you stop him. And, you know, maybe, maybe people maybe knocking into to preach a product of his system. It's Andy Reid. It's this or that. I think they're just mad that they did not have the most perfectly created thing of all time. I think they're mad that they someone didn't see so much potential in them that they literally built an entire team around them, an entire offense cradled to their every need, catering to your strengths and knowing what you can do, and then you strike gold immediately on it. Haters. That's all you are. So, no, there's not as so much pressure on him now. He doesn't have to win this game. I think he will, and I think it'd be nice if he won this game. It would definitely... It would be helpful if he had this in his back pocket for that GOAT discussion later. When it came time for it, maybe he only wins, say he wins this one to get a second and he only wins five total in his career where Brady has six. You know, that always little like, but I beat you, Tom. Fuck boy. You know, you know what I'm saying? But either way, I think he's destined for a Hall of Fame career. I think he will definitely be in that GOAT discussion. And that happens whether or not he wins this game. (laughs) Speaking of goat talk, we're going to transition to some goat talk here. We're going to change sports, though, to baseball. I was talking to one of my buddies earlier, and he was telling me about his sister's boyfriend that he was talking to. And the discussion became on baseball and, you know, Mike Trout, and is he the greatest of all time? And this dude just, apparently the sister's boyfriend, definitively without a doubt, just said, no, he's not. Didn't mention who was but he was just like no and he was telling me the story and i immediately felt disrespected i felt disrespected for mike trout i think it's very easily we can all agree upon that mike trout is the greatest baseball player in our generation no doubt also remember folks remember when we thought or people a lot of people thought that mike trout and bryce harper were the same remember when we considered them in the same like league of just like who they are lol i remember that too What were we thinking? But while he's the greatest baseball player of our generation, and one could argue the modern era, is he the GOAT? And maybe it's too soon to say right now. Maybe it's even disrespectful to everyone who's come before him to say that he is the GOAT right now. Only a decade into his career. Nine seasons, if you will. But I think you could argue that even without a ring, he is. I think you could argue that by the end of his career, he'll be undisputedly the greatest of all time. Not the most influential, mind you, maybe not the most, you know, he, other than his legend and who he is, no, so one single thing he individually may do may permeate like other things like the Ty Cobb leg slide to second, you know, anything else you can think of. But I think as far as just on-field performance and as a dude who you play the game of baseball against all of your peers... He is almost head and shoulders above the rest. So let me just try this on for size, folks. I know numbers don't always tell the whole truth, but allow me to try for you, if you will. Before we get to the numbers, though, I just want to remind everybody of the nastiest baseball catch I've ever seen. It was the greatest home run robbery of all time. June 27th, 2012, he robs J.J. Hardy of the Baltimore Orioles in center field. Guys, I was in high school when this happened in real time. I remember there was this snapshot of the moment, like, he catches it and is, like, his arms over the wall that I stole from ESPN and they put on social media, and I still saved it. I saved it because I knew I was looking at one of the single greatest sports moments I would probably ever see. If not just for how impressive it was athletically, it was just by one of the guys who was the greatest to ever do it in my time, in my time watching it. It was – his full shoulder is above the wall. It Like, his full shoulder – He could have stuck his armpit on that wall and just clamped and just stayed there. You know how there's honey dipping when you dunk in basketball and your whole elbow goes in? He basically did that to the outfield wall, robbing a home run. It was still one of the nastiest things I've ever seen. Anyways, just to start, begin with the fact that if he decided to suddenly retire without ever playing another game, if he came out tomorrow and said, guys, I'm fucking done here, I'm done, he would still be selected as a Hall of Famer, undoubtedly. I have no doubt about that. In only nine seasons to this point, he ranks 47th all-time with war, with 73.4 war. Now, 47th is not impressive yet, but that's just up to right now. He's second among all active players, only behind his Angels teammate Albert Pujols at 87.7. His accumulated war total outpaces probable active future Hall of Famers Miggy, Miguel Cabrera, with 70.6 and Joey Votto at 56.2. And retired Hall of Fame legends such as Reggie Jackson, Rod Carew, Frank Thomas, Ron Santo, as well as a myriad and slew of others. In in any single season, he has never recorded no less than 6.8 war in any of his seasons in his career. And he's reached 10.1 war twice. Since his rookie season in 2011, there have only been four individual 10 or more war seasons by position players in all of baseball. He accounts for half of them. Since his first full major league season in 2012, he has never finished lower than fourth in AL MVP voting. And I was stunned when I saw that, guys. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm reading you a bunch of stats right now that I found that I think will make my case. But in all of his careers, in almost, in all of his years, in almost a decade of playing up to this point, since his rookie, or since his first full major league season in 2012, he's never finished lower than fourth. He is a perennial American League MVP voting candidate. He is always there. That is how consistently good and fantastic he is. In 2017, he only appeared in 114 games due to injury and still finished fourth. In all the full seasons he's played, there's never been one in which he did not place at least second. That's without the injury. Any games he missed an injury, but any full seasons he played, he has finished at least second every time. He's won three times in 2014, 2016, 2019. Three-time MVP in nine years. And he's only 28 years old. Only 28. He has, he's still in his peak. He probably in baseball years has at least four to six more good years if he stays relatively healthy and, you know, takes care of himself and continues to go up, trending like he is. His career OPS is 1,000 not per not like one season career that is the best among all active players by more than 500 points the next best is Joey Votto at 9407 eighth all time only a decade in less than only Ruth Williams Garrick Bonds Fox Greenberg and Hornsby and folks that is some pretty damn good company to be in when it comes to your slugging cuz we all know at least those dudes could rake Crowd has logged 27, I'm sorry, at least 27 homers, 67 walks, an on-base percentage of 377, a slugging average of 550, and an OPS of 939 minimum in every season of his career. The dude is slashing at an elite level consistently and every single time without fail almost. He has also never recorded an OPS below 168, meaning that in his worst campaign, in his worst season, he was only 68% above league average. Only. And did I mention that he's only 28, guys? I really don't know if I've driven that point home enough. The dude is so young and doing so much for so long at such an elite level. He is undoubtedly the greatest baseball player I've ever seen play. I remember last in 2019, August of 2019, around my birthday, there was a four-game series, won the doubleheader in Arlington at, I'm sorry, Globe Life Park. It was the last year they were doing it before they opened the new stadium across the street, and I was going to go see that whole series. And one of the best things about watching it was seeing Mike Trout play live. Watching that dude play live was a treat, and it was so enjoyable. I watched him homer against us, and I didn't even care. I was watching history in the making with this dude. I mean, it is just spectacular and fantastic. And the dude is A generational talent. The dude is easily the best player we have in our generation. I don't think anybody would disagree with me there if I say that. But I think he's arguably already one of the greatest of all time and on his way to being the GOAT. And if you want to be disrespectful, you can call him the GOAT now. Get down how you get down. Like all things, there's a second side to all of it. For all of his greatness so far with the Angels, Mike Trout has appeared in the postseason just once in his career in a decade. And his lack of opportunities on the October stage is really just a travesty for baseball fans. Three postseason games back in 2014. Nice little clean sweep in the first round there. They haven't even had a winning season. He has not been part of a winning season since 2015. So it's quite frankly surprising to me when he also got – the you know for baseball terms the obviously the largest contract of all time monetarily wise in baseball and really just at, at that point that he signed it was the largest in sports he signed twelve years for four hundred and thirty million dollars to stay with the angels that's assumably and easily probably the rest of his career I was genuinely surprised I thought that he would eventually want to go somewhere else I thought it, I thought he would be unhappy with them not getting it done and maybe he understands maybe. You know, maybe it's hometown loyalty. They have a the team that drafted me. I want to stay with them. I want to make sure I give, you know, I give back and they give to me. You know, he want maybe he wants to see the Angels finally build something and get it together. You know, guys, okay, I've committed here for the long term. I will give you the rest of my career for all of the money in the world, of course, but I will give you the rest of my career. But please, let's get something together. Let's get it together. Let's build a winner here. I want to get some shit going. Or. Or maybe the man already knows that with a rith ring or without, his numbers speak for themselves. His numbers so far have. His numbers undoubtedly will – not undoubtedly. His, umber, his numbers more than likely will continue to speak for themselves. His GOAT discussion will only gain more steam as his career goes on. If that dude keeps putting on numbers like he is, if he consistently just keeps raking and slashing and defending like he does – It will undoubtedly just continue to gain more steam and be in the back of people's heads. And just continue to grow and grow and snowball until we get to the inevitable conclusion, folks. Maybe he's just sitting back and thinking to himself, I don't have a damn thing left to prove to anyone but myself. Which is where those rings would come in. It'd be nice. And folks, I would dare say he doesn't. Not one more thing that he owes anybody. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Effect. Leave us a rating and review wherever you get your podcast. It'll really help us out. If you like what we're doing, you can support the whole battery of Uplift United podcasts by subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Uplift United. It allows us all to keep making the content you like. And until next time, later.